Hello everyone, this is Saqib and I'm again joined by Sanket and today we'll preview the upcoming uh, heavyweight uh, test series clash between the host South Africa and uh, visiting Australians and this is a good uh, measure for South Africa because they played the other, uh, if they're like three top sides in test cricket right now, India has to be one of them and India was recently in South Africa, they just left the shores so this is uh, somewhat, you know, a good uh, a good time to be a South African fan because you have some quality test cricket at home. Uh, welcome, Sanket. Yeah, great to be back once again, Sanket. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're excited because, you know, your team is already uh, on the South African shores and uh, it's going to be a, a, you know, a closely contested, eagerly awaited four test, test match series. And uh, walk us through, uh, you know, some of the personnel changes in Australia when they were here last time to play a test series. I know Shane Watson is missing and some other players were there on that touring party. So how does this Australian unit stack up to the unit that was here a few years ago? Yeah, uh, quite a few changes actually because, I mean, uh, the side that toured last time around, I think the biggest change perhaps is the pace attack. And the last time around we had Ryan Harris and Mitchell Johnson at the new ball and they were uh, they had an absolutely sensational series, especially Mitchell Johnson. Peter Siddle was first change bowler for the first couple of test matches and then we had James Pattinson for the, coming in for the third test. So this time around we have a completely revamped pace attack with Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins. Obviously, this is also a fairly experienced attack, but this is the first time that Stark and Hazelwood will be playing in South Africa. Ironically, Cummins, who's the least experienced of the three in, in test grade in general, is the only one who's played a test Therefore, Nathan Lyon, obviously, on his third tour of South Africa, so he's, he's pretty well accustomed to these conditions. And obviously, in the bat department, there's no Chris Rogers, who partnered David Warner uh, la- uh, last time around. So we have we have a new guy in Pencroft, who had a, who had a tough time in the Ashes back home. So it's, this is going to be a big test for him, uh, up against possibly the best pace attack in the world, apart from his own. And... Um, yeah, obviously, Steve Smith is uh, a much more accomplished player compared to last time around. Uh, he was at last time around, he was batting at number six uh, or number five. And obviously, this time around, he's the linchpin of the batting lineup. There's no Michael Clark, obviously, the captain of the last of the last tour, who played a critical innings in the win at, at Cape Town. So, yeah, obviously, I think the uh, major, you know, what I would say, the common factor connecting the two squads and uh, the guy who was probably the most influential in Australia's win last time around is is the opening batsman that's David Warner who scored 543 runs an average of 90 in 2014 and he's once again going to be extremely crucial to our chances in South Africa taking on those big big fast bowlers and setting the platform initially with his aggressive batsmanship so yeah really looking really looking forward to the series yeah, before we take a deep dive into, you know, the main players or the main components who will be involved in this uh, test match battle, you mentioned Michael Clark. So let's play a little bit of homage to the former Australian skipper. How do you measure his captaincy style in test matches uh, to what we have with Steve Smith? And uh, is it too early for a comparison or do we have enough body of work to compare the two the two leaders? I think you have enough body of work because it's been three years since Michael Clark retired and Steve Smith has been captaining the side for a fair amount of time. And obviously, I think they're pretty much chalk and cheese as personalities as well as leaders. Michael Clark was your typical in-your-face Australian captain, was really aggressive all the time, really wanted to attack with his bowlers, also not shy of a word or two. Steve Smith is laid back, I think he's more calm. 
probably a bit more soft spoken compared to some of the previous australian captains but i think the biggest change uh, when when it comes to mentality i think is 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 a little bit defensive is more uh, in, in the ms dialectic mold of captaincy as in someone who waits for things to happen and rather than forcing the issue uh, and yeah i mean he he does have a decent t- test record as a captain uh, primarily due to the quality of the bowlers that he possesses especially back home but away from home uh, and even, even when they faced uh, south africa at home in 2000 16 there have been occasions where his captaincy and the team ha- has been found wanting so yeah i mean this this is going to be a tough challenge for steve smith because against against england in the ashes series back home smith clearly had a far superior bowling attack at his disposal it was obvious that english uh, didn't quite have the firepower to take 20 australian wickets and it was just a matter of time before australia really choked them into submit but this is a series where it's going to be two highly aggressive fast bowling attacks going at one another and i think it's uh, this is going to be a much more fast paced series whereas ashes was more of an attritional battle so i think you're going to need a, a lot more proactive thinking and uh, uh, the this is a series of very small margins so i think the odd captaincy decision here or there could make a huge difference hmm uh so the match is going to be in durban in less than 48 hours uh, uh dale stain is not going to be part of uh, the south african uh unit for the first two tests uh so you think uh, with the recently concluded series against india in mind uh, will south african tactics would be similar going with a four man pace attack or is there room for spin against this australian batting lineup well i think the the south african opener dean elgar i think came out for a press conference today and he has called for them to go in with the same combination which was four seamers and a spinner against india they went in with five proper bowlers and had only six batsmen including the wicket keeper so i mean i'm not too sure if they're going to persist with the same combination but coming from an opening batsman in the press conference i think you'd probably have to uh, you know have to buy into that because uh, he wouldn't really be uh, talking about something that uh, that isn't in the team plans so i guess it is a possibility uh, but there has been talk of the pitches being uh, much slower than the ones that were served for the indies because we saw how in the johannesburg test uh, against india when they asked for a green top the pitch turned completely spiteful there was an even bounce right from day 1 and south africa pretty much uh, the, the tactic backfired on south africa and their own batsman was struggling against the indian pace attack so against an australian pace attack where you've got three bowlers capable of bowling in excess of 90 miles an hour uh, i think i probably uh, they probably wouldn't take that gamble going in with fast and bouncy surfaces so yeah you could probably see slightly slower wickets but uh, south africa especially under oreskes who's the new coach they seem very committed to a fast bowling heavy attack so i wouldn't be surprised to see them going with the same combination of four seamers and a spinner so that would probably leave them a little bit thin on the batting which was susceptible against india so i think uh, i would be interesting uh, it would be interesting to see how they balance that out whether uh, they want that extra batsman uh, and they're happy with just the three quicks and a spinner because the spinner will definitely play in the series because you're not going to get any green tops the uh, spinners are definitely going to have a major role to play so whether they go in with the three seamers or or, or, or they're going with the four seamers or uh, whether they want the extra batsman that is going to be interesting to see okay so let's look at the australian top order uh, what is your projected lineup and what's your expectation of the top three that uh, recently took part in the ashes and uh, uh, what is there in store for warner what is there in store for khaja how, how do you see uh, the top three shaping up against uh, this pace attack of south africa yeah the, i think the team i think the lineup pretty much picks itself it's going to be the same same lineup that played in the uh, fifth test of the ashes uh, at sydney so i mean you'll have owner and cameron bancroft at the top 
Kawaja at three, Smith at four, and uh, followed by Sean Marsh, uh, Mitchell Marsh, and Tim Payne. So that's your top seven and the three quicks and Nathan Lyon. Uh, so yeah, I mean, looking uh, uh, looking at the top order, uh, as I said, Cam- Cambridge Bancroft is, is largely unproven at this level. Started off promisingly on debut against England at Brisbane with an 80-odd in the second innings, but just tapered off over the course of the series. And uh, and by the, uh, the fifth test, he was really struggling with his judgment outside the off stump, and he was uh, get- getting out to fairly elementary mistakes. Uh, and um, Warner's had an interesting time because in the Ashes, he had a fairly sub-series by his standards. He averaged over 50, but he wasn't quite the typical David Warner aggressive mold, except in the first innings at Melbourne where he scored a very fast 100. Other than that, he, he got runs, but it was more of a grinding style of batsmanship that you don't generally associate with uh, David Warner. But uh, after that, he had a pretty poor limited overs campaign struggle in the ODIs against England and even in the T20 the C- tri-series against England and New Zealand that he that he was uh, the captain in and he, he captained the side successfully to a, uh, a series win but uh, as a batsman personally he didn't have much of an impact there either so he and, he, and he's the only batsman in the Australian top 7 who uh, didn't take part in the warm-up match that was played in Benoni uh, a few days ago because he was still a part of the T20 side playing that tri-series final in New Zealand so he is coming in with some uh, with an interesting uh, bit of form I would say because I mean his test match form has been alright but he hasn't been at his you know most dominant aggressive best or and his uh, limited overs form has been very patchy so but he, he has a great record in South Africa as I mentioned I think he's, his record in South Africa is absolutely Bradmanesque his average is 90 in 3 tests and scored 300s uh, in those test matches, scoring 543 runs, which is quite astonishing considering uh, if you look at the records of opening batsmen in South Africa this decade, I believe there have only been three batsmen who have scored 100 in South Africa and none have scored uh, more than 100 uh, other than David Warner. I think the other two were probably as Indies as Craig Brathwaite and uh, I think the other guy, I've probably forgotten his name. So, uh, yeah, it was Chris Rogers actually, uh, Australia's opener in the 2014, uh, the other one uh, in the 2014 tour. So, yeah, Australia, uh, South Africa is definitely not a place for opening batsmen, but Warner has fond memories though. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how he copes up with the challenge. Kawaja, uh, well, he, again, he had a poor start to the Ashes, but he came back strongly with 100 in the uh, in the in the dead rubber at sydney and pretty much uh, you know cemented his place for the series but uh, i think he i think he's he's been criticized a lot for his performance in the ashes at kevin peterson and shane Warne were on a record saying he doesn't exhibit enough energy at the crease and he's a bit too lazy i personally don't buy into that i think sometimes when a player you know exhibits that kind of uh, affluency and lazy elegance that even his dismissals generally tend to get attributed to those to those things but I think he is a pretty good player especially in conditions that don't assist spin bowling he, he was in fact Australia's leading run scorer when South Africa visited Australia back in 2016 on some really bowler friendly surfaces uh, and he scored a ter- terrific 100 in, in Australia's only win of that series at Adelaide so I think he, I think he, he knows a thing or two about scoring runs against a particular attack so I think that will hold him in good stead and so yeah Uh, hold your thought. Hold your thoughts for a second. So, uh, no pun intended here. I mean, uh, totally with there, there with you that you know uh, about your analogy on Khaja, that uh, uh, sometimes you know lazy elegance can also translate into you know lose uh, dismissals or easy you know, soft dismissals. Then uh, why why can't this be said of uh, Rohit Sharma? I know you know this we are not talking India, but just you know to get your view. Well, I think the difference. I th- I, actually, I made the same argument about Rohit Sharma. Is that I think the, he gets criticized for his lazy elegance, and uh, a lot of his dismissals uh, get attributed to 
to his laziness or but i don't think it's a case of him being lazy i think it's more a technical flaw with his batting lineup that we have already touched upon but i think in case of kawaja it's more about i think he sometimes uh, he tends to lose concentration i think and it's not about being lazy as such i just think that some say uh, perhaps loses focus outside his off stump and uh, he tends to f- player deliveries that he perhaps should be leaving but i don't think his technical flaw is, uh, is as uh, is as exaggerated as rohit sharma's so i think two different cases uh, kawaja's issues i think mainly come against spin bowling especially in the subcontinent he's uh, he's had struck he struggled miserably against spinners uh, whenever the ball is turned around but i think in these conditions when the ball seems around and on pitches which have pace and bounce he's he's a pretty good player very good of the back footy is a very good player of the horizontal horizontal bat shots very good puller very good cutter so i think this these pitches in south africa are definitely suited to his style of batsmanship and he's done well against that attack in the past so i yeah, i'm really hopeful of a very good series from kawaja at number 3 okay and then uh, steve smith you know uh, to many of us he's undoubtedly the best test batsman uh, going around at this time so you think uh, can he be found uh, uh, in a solo act like virat kohli was in the recently concluded test series against this uh, very daunting uh, uh, south african uh, bowling attack and and uh, in, in your opinion is smith ready for the task i mean we all know he has the goods but you think uh, he will he come good uh, in the series well it's very hard to predict especially when you're up against such a quality pace attack i mean nothing is guaranteed steve smith obviously has pretty much you know passed every challenge that has been thrown his way um, over the last four or five years uh, as a test match batsman uh, so obviously a someone who certainly has the ability to do well against this attack whether he will or not uh, i can't really predict that but uh, um he averaged 70 uh, when he played in south africa last time around he was batting at number 5 and 6 as i said so this time around he'll be batting higher up taking a more central role in batting lineup and as you said i mean if the top order struggles especially if when we got uh, bancroft at the top was inexperienced and david warner's in indifferent form kawaja who i personally think will come good but again there are question marks over him as well so uh, if if early wickets fall and he has to come in early uh, with the ball moving around against this quality of pace attack then obviously he's going to have his work cut out because i mean regardless of the, uh, your reputation as a batsman the uh, record that you've got each day is a different day and there, there is uh, hardly a bigger challenge in world cricket right now than facing that south african attack in south africa so yeah obviously the big difference from uh, facing uh, england back home is is going to be the extra pace because england while they had a fairly disciplined bowling attack and they actually bowled very well to a plan to see smith even tied him down uh, for periods at brisbane but he, he could somehow negotiate through that because they didn't quite have the extra pace to really surprise him so this time around is going to be up against a very pacey attack and the pitches i expect even though they won't be as spicy as the series against india i think they'll definitely have more spice than the pitches that we have seen in australia recently so uh, this is going to be definitely a different level of challenge for steve smith so let's see how how he comes out of it uh angidi is going to be part of this bowling attack unless you know they decide to go with you know spinning option or what not but uh, how do you see the australian uh, batsman facing uh, the likes of angidi he's kind of be he's going to be one of the unknowns but again uh, you know they are used to playing this kind of fast bowling uh you see any matchup trouble uh, for some of the australian uh, top men uh, coming up against uh, uh, this young lad from south africa 
Yeah, it's an it's interesting you point him out because I think in Gary is is the type of bowler that Australian batsmen generally like to face. He's he's someone who's got that extra pace, uh, especially when he when he gets into his rhythm. And uh, I mean, he's not a natural athlete like Tagish or Abada who'll, who'll just come in and bowl effortlessly at at, at speed. But he's a big unit, and uh, it, it takes him some time to get into his rhythm uh, occasionally. But uh, when he is on, you uh, can really crank it up to one fifty, one fifty plus. So I'm. I mean, uh, he's the type of bowler who can be very quick, but he's not someone who generates a lot of lateral movement in the air. And I mean, Australia's problem, I've always believed, is not the, not the extra pace, but uh, the pace combined with lateral movement, or even lateral movement without pace. Uh, these are the things that generally tend to trouble the Australian batsmen. Uh, so, I mean, someone like David Warner, I believe, if he if he if he can survive new ball spell from Wynan Philander who I think is going to be the biggest threat to Australia in this series uh, along with Kegiso Rabada uh, and if he can if he's well set by the time someone like Ngi comes on then I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him you know take on, t- try to take on Ngidi and try to unsettle him uh, even Kawaja is, is a fairly aggressive style of batsman he could probably do that as well steve smith i think i expect him to play more of a uh, i think more of an anchors anchor kind of role i don't think he'll be taking on the bowlers uh, way uh, of honor or kawaja might so yeah i mean Ngiri, this is going to be a i think tougher challenge for someone like Ngiri compared to the series against india because against india other than virat kohli and uh, ajinkya rahani in the second innings at johannesburg he didn't really have anyone who could really come after him uh, uh, come after him uh, in the manner that someone like a david warner could so i think that that is a contest that could be uh, something really uh, worth looking forward to uh, absolutely i think both these uh, it's no secret both these teams have enough firepower in fast bowling and that will be the highlight but at the same time both these teams and i think you'll agree have some uh, some question marks about their batting and i think that's where the series will be decided because uh, uh, again uh, both in south africa and australia like you said there are a lot of bowlers, even in the domestic, which are bowling 140. And this is the kind of cricket they play, the aggressive cricket. And fast bowling is not a problem. So one problem I think South Africa would face is maybe Nathan Lyon. And then overall, uh, uh, wh- who's batting you think is more ready for this kind of a task? Again, we are not in the you know, predicting business, but uh, just seeing them play India, uh, you know, with the likes of Bhuvneshwar Kumar, you know, troubling some of the South African batsmen. Uh, which batting lineup do you think is more susceptible for failure in this uh, in this kind of series, which we expect is going to be closely fought to begin with? Well, I think it depends on the pitches because I mean, uh, on flatter pitches, I think Australia bats Australia have a better batting lineup. I think uh, when it comes to piling up the scores, because that is what they've been doing back home uh, for for quite some time. Whenever there is a flat pitch, Australian batsmen uh, invariably capitalise and pile on the runs. Uh, whereas uh, they tend to struggle when the ball moves around, like like most teams do. But I think Australia probably struggle a little bit more than the likes of South Africa because they don't play it as often. Whereas South Africa have been playing in tough conditions for the last couple of months against India. So I would say they are more battle hardened if 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 the conditions are tough, which uh, they are not expected to be. But again, we don't know what exactly will transpire on the field. So, I mean, if you get pitches which are on, on, on low scoring, then I think that will definitely uh, benefit South Africa because I think they are more battle-hardened, even though it was the Indian pace today. But India have a very good pace attack these days. Uh, so, whilst what might not be in the same class as the South Af- uh, Australian attack, but uh, they, they still were challenged. And they, even though they had their struggles, they still came out of it pretty well, having won the series. So, I mean, you can't argue with that. But Australia faced a largely medium-paced attack on some really flat surfaces back home, and they're suddenly going to be up against these 90 miles per hour bowlers on pitches that are uh, likely to be at least more 
more quicker or more seam friendly than the ones that they faced back home. So I think it's going to be a bigger challenge for Australian batsmen to adapt from those flat pitches in Australia to the ones in South Africa, even though they, they might not be as seam friendly as the ones served up for the India series. But I still think there'll be a big challenge for Australian batsmen. So I would say South Africa probably the more battle hardened side coming in. But I would say Australia are more likely to capitalize on flat pitches. So I guess it depends on the conditions. And obviously the toss is going to play a crucial role as well. If the pitch is flat, then you obviously want to bat first and pile on the runs and uh, take wickets through scoreboard pressure. Because last time these two sides met in South Africa, all the three tests were won by the side batting first and the pitches were on the flatter side. So I guess if the pitches are some, uh, somewhat similar, then uh, the toss is going to be uh, going to play a very crucial role. Okay, so let's wrap this up and by doing some generic questioning here, uh, you know, just for fun. Uh, at the end of the series, who's going to have more runs in the bag? Uh, A.B. de Villiers or Steve Smith? I know this is the fun part now. Uh, I, I'm going for A.B. de Villiers. I just think, I mean, because Steve Smith has been playing a lot on flatter surfaces and he's suddenly going to be up against a, a difficult bowling attack and he's probably due a bad series in swing runs continuously for a while now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm generally a very pessimistic fan, as you know. So I'm just going to go for A.B. Villiers. Yeah, but it wouldn't be su- uh, surprising to see Steve Smith do well as well. But yeah, A.B. Villiers. And who's going to have uh, most wickets in the bag? Uh, Rabada, uh, Cummins or someone else? I- I'm going for Josh Hazelwood for Australia and Rabada for South Africa. I think Hazelwood is probably best equipped uh, Australian bowler to uh, utilize these conditions because he's, he has that height. He bowls the right length for these conditions. And uh, it, even if there is a little bit of a uh, hint of seam movement around, he's, he's the perfect bowler to utilize those conditions. Cummins can obviously do well as well, but I think he, he'll be bowling first change, so he probably won't have the same impact on the game as, as Hazelwood bowling with the new ball might. Robada for South Africa is the obvious choice because, I mean, Philander could be lethal if the conditions are seam-friendly, but on a slightly flatter pitches, I think Robada is in a different class. He's got the pace and he's, he's got the movement through the air. Unlike someone like Ngedi, who I think is um, more reliant on pace, Rabada has got the pace as well as the movement uh, in the air. So Rabada is the easy choice for the South African team. All right, last question before we uh, end this podcast. Uh, any tribute uh, to the recent announcement of uh, Morne uh, Morkel, uh, who's going to be retiring at the end of the series? What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, a slightly disappointing to see. I mean, obviously, it was his choice and he wants to uh, devote more time to his family and all. I mean, I'm a little bit surprised as well because he had initially, um, uh, you know, talked about retiring after the 2019 World Cup. I remember after the 2015 World Cup semi-final, Moni Mokal and E.B. de Villiers were, were crying after... Uh, really uh, gut-wrenching defeat against the KVs at Eden Park in Auckland. And I was just kind of hoping that he would get a shot at redemption uh, in 2019, not necessarily winning it, because obviously I'm going to be supporting Australia. But it would have been nice to see him get another chance after that, you know, really heartbreaking defeat. But uh, it's not to be. He's retiring. I think he's a terrific bowler, obviously. And is six short of 300 test wickets. So I'm hoping he will complete that landmark in the seas. Hopefully not too many more than that because, I mean, uh, obviously want Australia to win the series. But uh, I hope he has a good series from a personal uh, viewpoint yeah. and hopefully uh, uh, whatever cricket he decides to play, whether it's T20 cricket, um, uh, uh, franchise cricket or uh, county cricket as a call pack, hopefully he can have some success going forward because he's still fairly young and he still could offer uh, a lot to cricket outside the international game. So, yeah, wishing him all the best for his future ventures. 
Yeah, agreed. And hopefully, uh, you know, as you said, uh, shot at redemption. Hopefully, A.B. de Villiers and uh, Dale Stain, you know, uh, make that World Cup squad one more time to have a go at that you know, elusive title that keeps missing, you know, South and African cricket. So, uh, anyway, that was that was brilliant again, Sanket. Uh, it's always fun and pleasure. Your insights are very valued. I'm sure people enjoy. So, let's talk again after the conclusion of the first test and uh, let's take stock on some of the predictions you've made here.